from the Society for Nautical Research in partnership with Lloyd's Register Foundation. I'm Sam Willis and this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast, the world's number one podcast dedicated to all of maritime history. Hello everyone and welcome to the Mariner's Mirror podcast. This week I am in beautiful South Devon. I've come to explore the extraordinary and moving story of the lost village of Hallsands, a village nestling beneath Start Point whose beach was dredged away to provide sand and shingle for building works in Plymouth and which then suffered terribly from high tides and storms once the protective barrier of the beach had been removed. To find out more, I travelled down to Devon to look at the ruins of the village and to meet Grant Bettinson, a maritime archaeologist and discovery programme officer for South Devon Rivers for Citizen, the coastal and intertidal zone archaeological network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Now, I've not been as excited or impressed with a project for some time. These guys are really fabulous. They exist to highlight the threat of coastal erosion to a wealth of foreshore and intertidal sites. They've established an infrastructure and network of volunteers with the skills, commitment and support needed to record, monitor and promote fragile and threatened archaeological intertidal sites all over the UK. And you can find them at citizen.org. UK. This interview was filmed and there is some stunning drone footage of the ruins of Hall Sands to wonder at. Please find that at the Mariner's Mirror podcast YouTube channel. But for now, sit back, imagine the wind in your hair, the sun glinting off the blue sea of the southwest, a towering white lighthouse above you and below you, with the coast stretching ahead beneath swooping gulls, are the sad remains of walls and houses, all that is left of a community lost forever, taken by the storms and the rising tides. With global warming continuing unabated, this is a story that we may well become all too familiar with in the future. So let's see what we can learn from the past. I'm on Start Point in South Devon. It's a beautiful headland sandwiched between the Dartmouth and the Salcombe estuaries and I'm here to explore an extraordinary story. Down here are the remains of an 
old fishing village, once a happy coastal community, families eking out a living from the sea in Start Bay, until dredging of sand and shingle from their beach on an industrial scale threatened the survival of that community. And then a terrible storm came in the new year of 1917, swallowing that village into the sea forever. I'm here to find out more. Grant, this is an amazing place. What happened here? Okay, so it's Hall Sands, or the lost village of Hall Sands, is a fascinating story of when dredging works resulted in the loss of an entire village. So this is the ruins of a village that was unindated by the sea in the 19, 1917, but has a very long history up to that from 1895 of how humans messed with the natural order of things by dredging here, resulting in a village of 100, a very prosperous village of a population from 100 to around 96, eventually being completely lost to the sea and has never come back. What do we know about the village that was here before it was lost to the sea? Okay, so the early prehistory we don't know that much about. However, we know the village was here by the 16th century. Um, its mass expansion to the population around 120, I believe it is, is in the 17th and 18th century when the fishing starts to kick off. The main um, industry for the village was crabbing and fishing. Um, so they used to uh, use a method called sand fishing, so where they take the nets out into the sea, go around the thing and then bring it into the, into the shore on boats. So they go around the fish and then bring them in on boats and there's loads of lovely photos of this. What you can't imagine now looking at these ruins is that there used to be a beach of around 30 meters outwards from the houses. Um, so they start dredging in 1895. Uh, that lasts for five years but even then they're not listening to locals. It is, it's an always a problem when it comes to maritime infrastructure but even then by 1897 the locals have already started to complain, noticing that their beach that was 30 metres is going down and down and down. And they've got about, by spring tides in November 1900s, they've only got about one metre of play next to their houses. So they're getting a little, very worried at this point. And there was a, light, a clause in the contract for the dredging saying that if there was considerable damage to the local population, they would stop. However, the saga continues. <laughs> and then the dredging company agrees to put in sea defences. But by 1905, you have some huge spring tides and storms that destroy a hell of a lot of the village. Uh, and the, the actual um, pub that was in the centre, uh, the London Inn, is completely destroyed and there's only a wall left. And uh, I'll show you a photo of that later. And once that's, once that's gone, the population was around 126 at that point. That goes down to 97, even though the dredging company puts in new sea works no one has that much confidence you're not going to have that much confidence once your house has already been knackered <laughs> you're not going to have another round of confidence after that so then uh, they this continues the dredging has completely stopped by this point they stopped the license for the dredging in 1900s and they do not continue dredging but by that point the damage is already done and the beach continues to erode and erode and erode out these people's livelihoods and then eventually in 1917 you have these gigantic tides that break the sea defences and the local population on that night of January, uh, 27th of January and 28th of January is when these storms happened. They've battened down all their boats in the high street knowing this is about to happen. Uh, the storms and spring tides come in and they destroy all the village to what it looks like now. So you lose all those buildings with the last remaining one being here Luckily, around then, they believe the population was around 76. No one dies. 
but you do have these stories of people sleeping in the ruins. Afterwards, they all become homeless overnight um, and their livelihoods have gone. So then you get into this, then you would think the story ends, this compensation. They argue for compensation. It doesn't end there. So in 1917, they're still arguing for compensation. They essentially become the first, we've kind of termed this the first climate change refugees, which isn't a term that existed then. Now it's a term we understand with the things that are going on in Wales and different places that there will be climate change refugees. This is a 1900s example of what happens when a village is livelihood that is reliant on a natural feature goes completely. Why were they doing this dredging? Okay, so they're taking the shingle and sand from Start Bay to build a new Admiralty port over in Keyham near Plymouth. Um, starts around 1895, they continue this for five years. It's estimated, a conservative estimate is that they took out 300,000 metres cubed of material. Uh, the non-conservative estimates are a lot, lot higher and it's very difficult, as you can imagine, to work out how much was actually dredged a hundred odd years ago. I assume no one spoke to the residents about them removing their beach. Okay, so I don't think it came as a surprise that they were dredging. Um, they weren't consulted in mass, like they were, there wasn't a forum or something that we'd have today. But there was a clause put in that if it affected them, it would, they would stop dredging immediately. It being the 1800s, uh, they kind of ignored the locals, so even when significant uh, loss of the beach was noticed by 1900s they then eventually revoked the uh, license but the, the locals have been complaining from all the way from 1895 when they started dredging all the way up with considerable uh, reports and various other stuff produced saying our beach is disappearing can you can you do something and then the dredging company tries to put in deep sea defenses and things to uh, placate the locals but they still keep, it keeps happening and they notice their livelihoods are starting to go and confidence is gone. What's the historical evidence like for the village that used to be here? So we have some incredible photos that have been curated for us by the South Devon AMB who put in the platform we stood on uh, in 2012 and we have some beautiful photos and because it's quite a modern example photography exists in the 1800s and in the 1900s so we have examples of this beach we have the we can see them pulling their boats onto Hall Sands Beach when they have then they have a beach and obviously now there's no beach <laughs> and the idea of actually pulling a boat onto that beach is you can't even imagine this and there's beautiful images of the high street beautiful images of the crab pots and kids and families living here and how prosperous this village would have been um so yeah we have some beautiful photos and i'll just it's show you some of these so you can see here this is what the horse sounds used to look like this building wow it's right at the back there and you can see so little kids here we've got five of them yes, on, a, on a log they are stood sat there yeah on that wall just a little bit further down so this coming out here was the main high street yep and you can see that it's all gone into the sea now even even though it's been reinforced probably in the 50s um you can see just how much beach used to exist and how it doesn't exist anymore there's some beautiful images again of this which is the send fishing so you can see it's a oh we've got men and women men all and working women, together yeah. hauling in and there is a great story that was told to me by the south devon a and b of apparently there was a lot of piggybacks given to men to not get their trousers wet to their boats <laughs> right, okay. by women which right. was a very interesting story <laughs> you'd have to confirm that one with the south devon a and b but yeah as you can see send fishing is a village affair so once those nets once they've got the net around the shoal they then bring it into the beach and then the whole village hauls that hauls yeah. that net in to get so you've got a catch. real community here mm. 
um, living together. And there's, there's a pub, isn't there? Yeah, so this is the of image of the 1903 storms. Wow. So this was the first set of storms that destroyed a fair amount of buildings and forced the dredging company to build further sea defences. So here we've got an image of this, um, you've got a building here um, and, a, and a huge storm coming at high tide. I mean, that, that house there, it looks like it's, it's a flood defence and obviously yeah. a house is not a flood defence. Yeah. And it looks like it's about to go. This was the remains of the village after those 1903 storms. Yeah. And then this is it by 1917. And you can see just the damage is done here, but this is just all. Yeah, all I mean, it looks like a, it looks, we've got a picture here. This is for you podcast listeners who haven't got any visuals. Uh, we've got a picture here. It looks like a, a huge JCB has driven through the middle of a fishing village, taking off roofs, knocking down walls. It's an unimaginable scene of destruction. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, that's very sad, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and you can see this is the sea defences here, some of which you can just kind of make out now. Yeah. But they were completely inundated in the 1917, 1917 storm. Yeah. And what else do we know about about Start Bay. This is an extraordinary location. Yeah, so interestingly, the actual dredging is a little bit of a benefit for us and citizen. We often end up with this situation where eroding foreshores actually produce archaeology as well. So there is a submerged forest underneath Hall wow. Sands. And, How uh, old is it? No one's quite sure. The dating isn't very specific on it. Um, but it's, you can see every so often, particularly at North Hall Sands, which is over, over that little ridge, that was the houses that were eventually built to accommodate the village of what left, was left of it, they only built a very small amount that couldn't accommodate the, re the climate change refugees left from right, the sands. Okay. Um, but on that beach, you can still see every so often after a big storm, you can see these large peat shelves, and in there you'll see the submerged, uh, submerged timbers and submerged forest uh, poking out. Fascinating stuff. 
and this is now the village itself it's super dangerous we're not allowed to get down there um, has it been surveyed has our archaeologists done any work down uh, here been a few people have flown, flown drones over it um, there was a few little surveys done but i don't believe anyone has done a big large survey of what the remains look like now. i'll say now we've actually managed to get some of that drone footage so um if you're listening on the podcast do check out the youtube channel where you can see that amazing drone footage i mean one of the concerns here is that the village is going to get lost these these remains will get completely destroyed won't they mm. which which we don't want to happen yeah, well, it's a beautiful site. I mean, anyone who's walked the walk from Start Point down to Slapton Sands will know and have seen the placards and stuff that tell you this village is here. But it's the ruins are an incredible kind of site. There's a lot of... Uh, when I did this walk with a group of locals, um, one of the elderly women gave me a load of sketches that she did as a child um, oh, wow. when you could get down here. So it's still eroding out. So I remember when I was a have child... You, have you still got those sketches? I do have those oh, sketches. Oh, let's yeah, see if we I'll can get them. them we'll get, have a look at those. Um, so yeah, when I was a child, you could still get all the way down. And this house here is the last resident of, um, was the last resident of Hall Sands. It's owned by a woman called Elizabeth Pettyjohn. And she was the last resident, even after the storms in 1917. And she stubbornly refuses to move and stays there all the way up to the <laughs> 60s, I believe. <laughs> is it good for her or is that seriously dangerous? <laughs> it feels sure. quite precarious. It's here. quite an interest. I, Personally, when I heard you could rent it out, I was very up for renting that out for a survey. But um, yeah, but yeah, as you can imagine, there's a lot of different stories. The one of the weirdest parts about this is the compensation element to it. So they don't um, even after the whole village is destroyed, and no one takes responsibility for it. Um, even then, you have this population that of about seventy that have been essentially abandoned. Um, they are going for compensation. They do eventually get a few houses built, but not enough to accommodate them. They went from self-sustained, owning their own buildings, having their livelihoods, to suddenly having to rely on friends and families, um, locals, renting, and all this other, uh, all the other stuff. And essentially, this they don't give them compensation. It kind of, the reports of this get hidden all the way up until the Second World War, amazingly, until they finally reveal what happened here. What's the the big lesson of Hall Sands. What do we need to not ever forget about this place? I think it's something that we are now currently forgetting is the time to act when you start to notice stuff like this is immediately. Like the, one of the curses was here was when the locals said their beach was being removed, they weren't listened to. They weren't being, there was no reaction to it. They put in, they put token gestures, they put sea defences in, they put other stuff, but they didn't react and we're having a similar thing at the moment with climate change where stuff like this is happening all over our coastlines at ever increasing rates and we're not really reacting to it in the way we should be. Yeah. Well an important lesson there for us all I think. Thank you all so much for listening. Now, do please do something for me. I need you to help spread the word. Tag us on social media. Please mention us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and use good old word of mouth. Everything and anything you can do to pass on what we are doing here would be hugely appreciated. And remember, this is not just about audio. We've begun to produce some stunning and innovative videos, not just documentaries like this one, where you hopefully you will have all logged on and seen the amazing drone footage of Hall Sands, but also some really fabulous animations. And you can find them on our Facebook page and on the Mariner's Mirror podcast YouTube channel. 
And thank you so much, as always, for your fascinating contributions to the free forum. That's on the Society for Nautical Research's website. It continues to grow into a fascinating miscellany of all things maritime. You can see all of that on the Society for Nautical Research's website at snr.org.uk. But above all, please, please join the Society. Your annual subscription goes towards publishing the most important maritime history and towards preserving our maritime past. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details